fast forward from back surgery a little bit. Um, I won youth nationals for the first time, started making the U- U.S. team consistently for the first time, went to youth worlds, um, you know, got some medals at youth worlds, started making the open team, going to world cups. Um, and then Tokyo 2020 announced in 2016, I believe that climbing would be in the Mm. Tokyo 2020 Olympics. So we weren't included in the Olympics before that. And that lined up really perfectly with me graduating college. And I kind of just set my sights on it. And in 2019 realized that by uh, competing in the whole world cup circuit, qualifying at the Olympic qualifying event for Tokyo. And then Mm -hmm. of course, coronavirus uh, postponed the games. And so it was this whole thing, but uh, that was like, yeah, obviously a huge accomplishment. Um, and got to participate in the first ever time that climbing was in the Olympics and be the first ever person with a like massive spinal fusion to, to ever compete so in the cool. Olympics in any sport. So that was also quite exciting. Hi, and welcome to today's episode. I'm Dave Butler, and this is the Scoliosis Experience podcast. Today we're going to talk to Kyra Condi. Kyra is a professional rock climber, and it's interesting how I I found out about her. One of my other therapists, uh, Janessa Brink, was telling me about this this climber, this amazing climber that had a scoliosis fusion, and she followed her on on Instagram. And she said, "Hey, you you really need to you really need to to contact her and do a podcast episode or talk to her about her scoliosis." And so I messaged her on Instagram, and and she responded quickly, and and we set up a, a podcast episode recording. So. I really appreciate Kyra being willing to, uh, you know, sit down and talk to me about scoliosis and spine and her experience. Her experience is, is awesome. Anyone who is dealing with scoliosis or dealing with uh, especially a fast progressive curve and looking at surgery or has been told that, you know, they, they can't do certain things after surgery. Uh, this is a must listen episode for them. And she shares some great advice, some great wisdom about, uh, you know, still still reaching for those things that you you're passionate about. She's an amazing rock climber. She, luckily, she actually was climbing here in Lehigh for the day that we were going to do this podcast. So we're really grateful that she's you know a part of our community of well in Lehigh specifically as well as our scoliosis community, and she shares some some great insights, some great uh, suggestions for those with scoliosis. So uh, give it a listen, and here's Kyra. Kyra is a professional rock climber that I had heard about from one of my therapists, Janessa. Janessa told me, hey, there's this cool rock climber that had scoliosis surgery and really, that's all I needed to know. And I'm like, I need to interview her on the podcast. And so we connected through social media, and she's here today to share her experience. So welcome, Kyra. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm 26 years old. I've had scoliosis for my entire climbing career, pretty much. Um, I started climbing when I was... 11 years old and I got the scoliosis surgery uh, fusion T2 through T12 when I was 13, almost 14. Um, and wow. so it was kind of right away in my, my climbing career that we found that. Um, and yeah, I actually went to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. So first awesome. ever Olympian with the spinal fusion. So that was pretty exciting as well. 
That is, I didn't know that. Yeah. That is really cool. I have a lot of patients who, who have spinal fusions, but you're the first one that I know that went to the Olympics with it. That's, that's pretty amazing. You said your climbing career started what age? Kind of give us a background on that. Yeah, I started climbing when I was about 11. I got into it from a birthday party at the gym and loved it. Mm-hmm. And they told me about the climbing team that was at the gym. Mm-hmm. So I joined the climbing team and fell in love with it immediately started competing through the climbing team and then uh like I said when I was about 12 almost 13 or 13 almost 14 somewhere in there I got diagnosed with scoliosis and um that's when I got the surgery so that that happened pretty fast tell us about the experience of being diagnosed like how did that go who found it what what was that experience yeah I think it was a slightly unconventional I had been going to climbing practice and we were doing all these core workouts and, you know, push-ups and stuff. And I kept getting told that I was favoring one side, like my left side versus my right side. They'd be like, oh, you're, you know, leaning to one side. Everyone thought I had a bunch of attitude. Um, (laughs) And I was having a bunch of back pain and I was realizing that that was not normal for an 11-year-old to have that type of pain. Usually not. Yeah. And... Uh I I was also the type of kid who wouldn't even tell my mom if I had a stomach ache, you know, so... Mm -hmm. I think I didn't complain about it enough. And so once I did start complaining about it, we kind of realized it was maybe an issue. And I started Googling. And so it was actually me who realized that scoliosis could be what was causing it. And I happened to be friends with or know a guy at the gym who was a physical therapist. Hmm. And I asked him if he knew how to check for scoliosis, which he did, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he had me touch my toes. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, oh, you should go see a doctor. <laughs> and so I went home that day and told my mom, like, oh, like, yeah. Brandon told me to go see a doctor, so we should go do that. And I went, got an x-ray, and I remember having read, you know, if it's less than 45 degrees, you can get a brace. If it's more than 45 degrees, then you need surgery. And if it's less than 25 degrees, then you kind of just watch it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I, I think it's, you know, there's no way that it's, it's worse than 45 degrees. Yeah. I was like, there's no chance of that but maybe I'll need a brace in like worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And then I got the call from the doctor and she told me it was, I think it was 54 degrees. And I remember just, yeah. And I remember just bursting into tears and I was like, I was so devastated. Wow. Yeah. Cause before that, I mean, that happened within a space of how long? You know, it's not very long. I realized I had scoliosis and then got this x-ray probably all within like a month. So within a month you went from, yeah, my back hurts. Something's going on to, Now, having researched, now you knew that, okay, I'm in surgical range. Yeah, exactly. And so then it kind of just went straight away into finding a surgeon, essentially. Hmm. We didn't really look at too many other options. We were kind of told that that was what I needed to do. Um, And so it went kind of straight into, like, searching for surgeons in Minnesota and getting different opinions. Were you having growth spurts during this time? I mean, that's that's kind of when we see that rapid growth happen. Yeah, I think it must have been during, like, my main growth spurt. I was under five feet tall at the time, I think, and uh, maybe had just reached five foot. And so that was, yeah, kind of, you know, I'm 5'4 now. So. so you gained a little bit. Yeah, I did. I gained yeah. uh, two inches during my surgery, actually. So wow. I went in at five foot and I came out 5'2". Was that was that month kind of a scary experience? Well, I guess not that month. After that month, how was that? Yeah, so it was very, I mean, I was always sure that I was going to go back to climbing as much as possible. And that mm-hmm. was kind of my main focus was, okay, like, 
what's the option that gets me mm-hmm. back into climbing as quick as possible. And so we actually went to like a fairly prestigious hospital in Minnesota and that's where we got our first consultation with the with doctor, the with the surgeon. And it kind of, it really rubbed me the wrong way the whole time. So I was 13 and luckily my parents listened to me about this, but mm-hmm. it was the nurse who did all the tests. She like tested my shoulder difference, like how high one shoulder was versus the other. She watched my gait and did the gait analysis. She um, measured like with the protractor, you know, the difference on my mm-hmm. rib hump and all that stuff. Um, and then the doctor came in and kind of just was like, yeah, you'll have to take nine months off climbing. I'm going to fuse 12 vertebrae and that's it. And then was really... That's all. Yeah, stoic, not very... um, Didn't really take into account my feelings or what I wanted from it. And then when I started Mm -hmm. crying after hearing that, you know, I was going to have to take nine months off climbing, he basically just told me that, you know, climbing wouldn't be that important to me one day and that I would have a family and that sports wouldn't mean that much. And so... Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, that really rubbed me the wrong way and... Luckily, my parents wow. listened to that, so we found a different surgeon after after that experience. Wow. Fast forward a little while, and you're at the Tokyo Olympics. So yeah. Like, yeah, it's not a big part of your <laughs> life at all, is it? Exactly. Holy cow. Um, and unfortunately, that's not an unheard of scenario to, to hear about. No, I mean, not at all. It happens all the time where it's just because it's so commonplace for those surgeons, I mm-hmm. think, that it's just like, well, this is what happens. This is what you do. You know, it's not going to matter as much that, you know, you might not be able to dance or climb or something like mm-hmm. that. But to you, this was like, how long had this been kind of a dream of yours to go into climbing? Yeah, I mean, I had, I was pretty new into climbing. Like I said, I found it yeah. when I was about 11, but I was instantly in love with it. And I had already competed on the national level and had mm. goals of making the U.S. team and going to youth worlds mm. and all these things. And so to hear that and like have him not care about it at all definitely made me just stop listening to him at that appointment. Like I I swear I blacked out the rest of that appointment. Um, And he also told me I had actually qualified for nationals that year already mm -hmm. and it was going to be in March. And I think these appointments were in the fall of that year. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to take a few months before getting the surgery. And Mm -hmm. he told me that if I was going to wait at all, that I would have to wear a brace. And so that day we got fitted for a brace and Mm -hmm. I got a brace, you know, a couple days later. So I wore a brace for about a month until we got in with the other surgeon and mm-hmm. then I went and the, this surgeon and he was, you know, he did all the tests himself. He measured right. my shoulder difference. He measured the, with the protractor. He watched my gait, which you know, was something that bothered me about the other doctor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a really cool accent, which as a 13 year old, that was really <laughs> cool. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. Like that. um, he was That's older, cool. had a lot more experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he told me that he would fuse less vertebrae, hmm. keep me with like more mobility in that because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was only going to fuse 10 vertebrae instead of 12. And also told me to send him a picture of me on top of the podium. So, oh, that's yeah, totally different. Yeah, totally different that experience. Different. Um, and he also told me that it, like wearing a brace wasn't going to change what his surgery was going to do. Hmm. And so then he also told me I could stop wearing this brace. So I only had about a month in a brace and a brace time, um, which was kind of nice for for me as well. It's probably long enough for you to realize you didn't like the brace. Oh yeah, hated yeah. the brace. I mean, they're uncomfortable. They're hot. They yeah. I mean, you're curve had progressed to the point where you know one way or the other he was going to be doing surgery anyway exactly and he said it wouldn't change the number of vertebrae that he would fuse or really change the surgery in any massive amount so that i could stop wearing it and stop like you know suffering with that so that was kind of nice yeah well and and it's interesting that he took into account your activity level and your goals by deciding what levels to fuse i mean the the other one is just matter of fact boom this is what we're going to do. This one he took into account 
what you wanted to do out of life. Exactly. And I, th- I think he was saying that some surgeons kind of strive for perfection. They want mm-hmm. 100% correction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually still have a 25 degree curve mm-hmm. in my back. And so I still have a rib hump. I still have mm-hmm. a curve. Um, but that allowed him to, one, my shoulders are way straighter than I think they would be if he had gone for mm-hmm. that 100% correction. And two, I got to keep a lot more mobility mm-hmm. and keep the fusion just within the T vertebrae mm-hmm. and not go into the L at all, which is where, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of your bending comes from. And I think it makes a huge difference in my climbing to have those those two extra vertebrae oh, joints yeah. <laughs> that I yeah. wouldn't have had otherwise. If you had L1 and 2 fused, it would be, it'd be a little different motion. You could probably still climb, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows what that would have been like? Uh, a lot of those that may be listening to this podcast may be braced at the time, mm-hmm. uh, but hopefully they're you know, in a lower category where it's limiting progression. Any advice on bracing? I know you're only braced for a month, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I tried to make it into like a cool and exciting experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not mm-hmm. something that a lot of people get to experience. So right. um, I got a fun little design on it, I remember. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of treating it like that as it being like a novel thing instead of mm-hmm. this terrible thing that it could be, you know. Um, right. Easier said than done, but, uh, you know. It's kind of a cool process. They like put plaster all over you and like push right. on you to make sure that they like get the <laughs> pressure in the right spots mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but they yeah. don't they don't do plaster as much anymore. Oh really? They, they do a, a scan that they can do, so they don't have to wrap you in plaster. Oh no way! Maybe that would be nice. Maybe it would not. I don't know. Yeah, so. Maybe uh, maybe I'm showing my age now. But <laughs> yeah, I was like on this table that yeah. was just made of straps, and they wrapped mm-hmm. plaster all around me and. Because um, this was how many years ago? Uh, that was probably in 2009. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they do things... Or no, 2011. 2011. Yeah. So, yeah, they do things a little different. Yeah. You're not you're not that old. <laughs> I mean, back in my day, I don't even know what they did for scoliosis. But, uh, but, yeah, that's quite the experience. So, after you got that consultation with the surgeon, you weren't braced... You were, you had that competition coming up and Mm -hmm. you competed in that. Yeah. So my parents, luckily, like I said, listened to my opinion Mm -hmm. and we actually got a third uh, opinion just because the two Mm. doctors had said such different things, you know, one said, yeah, one said nine months uh, of rest after the Mm -hmm. surgery and fusing 12 vertebrae. One said four months of rest after the surgery and fusing 10 vertebrae. And so we kind of were like, okay, well maybe we should get a third opinion just Mm -hmm. to make sure that, you know, one of these doctors just isn't totally out of whack or something. (laughs) Um, and the third doctor really kind of agreed with the second doctor. I think they had trained at a similar facility Mm -hmm. and under the same people. Mm -hmm. So, um, once we had that opinion, we really felt secure in choosing the second doctor. And he was at Gillette Children's Hospital in Minnesota, Dr. Lonestein. He was amazing. Hmm. Um, like I said, he was like really hands-on the entire time, made me feel super comfortable. So I never doubted that I would go back to climbing in any capacity just because of the confidence that he was able to instill in me. And and that's huge. I think as, <clears throat> as a provider that treats scoliosis, I think that's just, that's huge. Being able to instill confidence in patients. That was kind of not all the difference between one and the other, but that was a big piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah, absolutely. So So I actually was able to then send him a photo of me on top of the podium. Uh, I had never won youth nationals. I'd made finals at youth nationals Uh before getting the surgery, but then actually a year and a half after I got the surgery, I won youth nationals for the first time. And so I I remember like sealing an envelope and sending it to him, a picture of me on top of the podium. And that, that probably made his 
week. I mean, yeah. His, his year probably to, to get that. That's awesome. Uh, so tell us about how the surgery went. You probably had an x-ray before surgery. How much had you progressed in that time? Yeah, I had progressed about, I think, like 20 degrees. It was a lot. Like, a I, lot. Like, I, like you said, I think I was um, in the middle of a growth spurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it had progressed from 54 degrees from my initial x-ray all the way to like 72 degrees on the day of my surgery. And I was starting to look very crooked at this point. Mm. I also had an S curve. So mm-hmm. I had the, the top curve was about 20 degrees. The middle curve was at 72 degrees. And then the bottom curve was like 45 degrees. Wow. So I, I didn't look quite as off balance mm-hmm. as I think I could have, which is yeah. maybe why it took us mm-hmm. so long to even catch the fact that they I had scoliosis. Kind of balance themselves out. You're you're one of those that I say kind of hides it well. Yeah, exactly. You just don't notice it unless you know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so now I, I feel like as an adult now and mm-hmm. knowing what scoliosis looks like, I always can spot it right. um, having had it and... Mm-hmm. Even if I look at those old photos of me, I'm like, how did we not know that I had scoliosis? Back at that time, did you have like pediatric visits or? Yeah, I that... actually remember the doctor's visit from the year before I got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I don't think they checked me for scoliosis at it. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think they, I had mm-hmm. gone to see a different provider. I think my doctor had been mm-hmm. busy or something. And I don't, I remember not getting checked actually. That's crazy. Yeah. Because yeah, at that time it was probably smaller Mm because you had a very progressive curve, but who knows, maybe it progressed within that year. Yeah. I I don't know. So yeah, that's a fast progressing curve. You were in the 70 degree range. That's definitely surgical range. And so how did the process of having surgery go? Yeah. So I attended that national championships that I wanted to Mm -hmm. delay the surgery until after, um, and then pretty much immediately went to the hospital, I think it was like the next week oh, wow. to get the surgery. It more or less went extremely smoothly. I The one thing that I always tell people if they're getting the surgery is that the anesthesiologist came in the night before or the day of and mm-hmm. he asked me if I was nervous and I told him, no, I'm not that, that nervous. <laughs> and he was like, well, you look nervous, so I'm gonna give you um, something for the nerves. Mm-hmm. And it's called Versed. Mm-hmm. And what they didn't tell me is that Versed makes you completely forget everything that <laughs> happens to you. Yes. So he gave me this medicine and I drank it. And mm-hmm. then I didn't even know that I had gone into surgery. So I just woke up in extreme pain, not knowing I had even gotten surgery oh, yet. And that was really scary. So I always tell people that if if they offer you Versed, at least know that that's like, you're, no, after you happen. take it, that you're going to wake up from surgery, basically. Yeah. And then, like, what the crap happened? <laughs> yeah, because I didn't even remember, like, getting wheeled into the OR or anything. Wow. So um, so it did its job, but... It did its job, but I didn't know, what, nice it's, know. Yeah, yeah. what its job was. Okay, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, and then the other thing I always mm-hmm. tell people is that it's a fairly painful surgery, which mm-hmm. is maybe scary to hear, but mm-hmm. it would have been really nice to know. I think mm-hmm. I was really taken aback by that, and so were my parents. Oh, really? Yeah. So... Waking up from surgery and having back pain, Mm -hmm. surgical pain, how long did that last? Like, knowing that that's going to happen, that's one thing, but how how does that progress? How does it feel? Yeah, it was only really bad, if I remember right, for like a day, Mm -hmm. but you're also, you know, pretty heavily medicated at the time. Um, And then I actually had a weird reaction, I think, to muscle relaxants. Mm -hmm. So they made me really antsy when they're supposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, do the kind of the opposite. So I think I had the, like that, not adverse reaction, but the 
the opposite yeah. reaction, which sometimes happens with drugs. It kind of sucks being antsy when you just had back surgery. Yeah, and so I actually yeah. think it helped me because I was like basically walking circles around the, the oh, nurse's really? station because my mm-hmm. legs just like were super restless and mm-hmm. felt like they needed to be moving. And I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, this opposite reaction to the muscle relaxants. Yeah. Huh. But I think it helped a lot, like walking as much as possible while in uh, the hospital recovering mm-hmm. makes a huge difference, I think. Yeah. I was able to get out quite quickly, I think, because of that. How long were you in the hospital? Do you remember? I was only there for three days. Three days? Yeah. That, that is a pretty short stay yeah. as far as the size of that surgery. Mm-hmm. So you get out of the hospital, you go home. What was recovery like? Recovery was not terrible. I wasn't able to like carry anything heavy for you know first couple months. And whenever I would lay on the couch, I had to make sure that I laid like directly on a single couch cushion and not over the crease because otherwise it was That's painful. On, yeah. So there was like a couple like funny things like that. Um, yeah. Always getting up and sitting back down was like definitely the two hardest mm-hmm. parts because um, one, the scar on your back is kind of sensitive. And so any sort of rubbing is painful. And then also just that motion is like, Movement. you're used to kind of bending your back and all of a mm-hmm. sudden you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Now it's supernatural to me to, you know, not be able to do it. But yeah. I think probably at that time that was, very new and weird and so there's a couple motions that were pretty foreign and uh, were hard to figure out how was how was getting back to climbing because that was that was your goal right you yeah. wanted to get back to it so how was that yeah I kind of took advantage of being a normal kid for a bit because I had been mm-hmm. doing a sport at a fairly elite level um and so and I was in middle school and so I really wanted to like hang out with friends sometimes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. felt like I was missing out on that side when I was climbing so hard and all, all the time. So I kind of took the bright side of surgery of, as being mm-hmm. like a time to go and hang out with friends and be a normal teenager. Yeah. Um, and so it was actually really a nice break from climbing in some ways other than the recovery part. And I got back into climbing by going straight to like a youth training camp uh, where I climbed like twice a day for two weeks straight. And I I remember I was bleeding out of like every (laughs) finger because my skin had gotten like so soft. Uh, But it was a great like re-entry into into climbing and um, like felt like I was just like right back at home. Did you have any back pain as you went back to climbing? Um, No, not terrible. Like I now, you know, that I'm, how many years post-op am I? Like 14 years Mm post-op. Um. I get some lower back pain, but Mm -hmm. like just below my fusion. Mm -hmm. But I think it's mostly because I do bend that part of my back. It's such a, like, so aggressively with my sport. Um, that, and that's the only spot where I can bend that, Mm -hmm. like that, those two joints just below my fusion just take so much of the, Mm -hmm. the work that, um, that's where I get pain. But I manage it by just sleeping on a heating pad basically every night. (laughs) So, so, okay. Yeah. And that, that level below the fusion is going to take, all the stress from what should have been moving above that. Exactly, yeah. But luckily the thoracic spine doesn't move as much as the lumbar spine anyway. So Exactly. That's that's good. Did it affect your climbing when you went back? Were you like, this feels different or this is weird? Yeah, it's funny. I If you had asked me like a couple years ago if it affected my climbing, I would mm-hmm. really say almost not at all. But now as I've been uh, advancing in climbing and getting better mm-hmm. and better and kind of finding my own limits. Um, and also, you know, progressing with the sport and stuff. Mm-hmm. I definitely notice my back, you know, almost every session that I go into the gym on some move or mm-hmm. something, especially when I'm watching other people I compete against. A lot of girls are really good at bending their backs and twisting and, and mm-hmm. getting through moves 
by using that like bending and twisting hmm. whereas i have to be like very straight on on the wall and have to pull through those moves where maybe you could uh, twist and make it easier yeah um so I, I definitely notice it a lot more now i would say so well I, as i've like gotten better and better so you feel like that's changed because of your skill level increasing not necessarily that the the spine has changed in some way or, yeah, exactly. or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, there's some sports though that are I'm pretty hilariously terrible at. Like Like what? The golf swing is impossible. <laughs> it's absolutely impossible. It's really funny. Right. I feel like uh yeah, it's I I can't do it at all. <laughs> is that a consistent thing you try? No, but I was pretty shocked when I like tried like, it for the first time. Like a and, one and done. Yeah, and right. I was like, this is not, this doesn't go. Just top golf, and you're like, exactly. No, I was I'm at the, top golf, and yeah. I was like, this is pathetic. I cannot okay. do this at all. So you didn't switch sports to golf. That's, no, that's which is lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Any other activities that you noticed that it affected? Um, some weird things are like putting on a seatbelt is shockingly hard because hmm. that's just like one of those times where you just, twist in your thoracic yeah. spine. Um. Yeah, that whenever anything is like set behind me, like mm-hmm. I really have to like get up and grab it instead of like reach instead behind of me. Rotating. Um, those are like the main things that I notice. <laughs> I feel like. Uh, so tell us about the Tokyo Olympics. Fast what, forward, what I led guess. That led up to that. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward from back surgery a little bit. Um, I won youth nationals for the first time. Started making the U.S. team consistently for the first time. Went to youth worlds. Um, you know, got some medals at youth worlds started making the open team, going to World Cups, um, and then Tokyo 2020 announced in 2016, I believe, that climbing would be in the Mm. Tokyo 2020 Olympics. So we weren't included in the Olympics before that. And that lined up really perfectly with me graduating college, and I kind of just set my sights on it. And in 2019, realized that by uh, competing in the whole World Cup circuit, qualifying at the Olympic qualifying event for Tokyo. And then, mm-hmm. of course, coronavirus uh, oh, yeah. postponed the games. And so it was this whole thing. But uh, that was, like, yeah, obviously a huge accomplishment um, and got to participate in the first ever time that climbing was in the Olympics and be the first ever person with a, like, massive spinal fusion to, to ever compete so in the cool. Olympics in any sport. So that was also quite exciting. That is, I mean, just amazing. I bet that was, you know, take COVID out of it because that kind of, messed with the timing of <laughs> exactly. it, right? But how cool is that? Just to go from a surgeon telling you that, you know, this isn't even going to be part of your life. You shouldn't worry about it to, to being at the Olympics. I mean, that must've been a, a cool feeling. Yeah. And you know, something that was really, really cool about it is that it did give me like a fairly massive platform to tell my story. And mm-hmm. so I, I think I was able to reach a lot more kids with scoliosis and mm-hmm. people who have been told similar things, um, that I would have, you know, without having yeah. qualified and stuff. So did you send that surgeon a picture of you on the podium? I did not actually, <laughs> but maybe, maybe he's seen it somehow. And if right. he's a scoliosis surgeon, you know, maybe, <laughs> right. Maybe he's seen that. Uh, what are you doing now? Like you said, you graduated college. What did you graduate yeah. college in? Uh, I graduated with a degree in animal science with a pre-vet focus. So um, cool. I want to go to vet school eventually, but mm-hmm. I'm still being a professional climber at the moment. Um, it's kind of so, hard to do vet school yeah. if you're a professional climber. Yeah, so I just qualified for the U.S. team again this year. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll be going to the World Cups. It's not an Olympic year. Mm-hmm. So um, those are like the biggest competitions of the year we go to the world cups and there's a world championships this year Mm -hmm. um but it's also an olympic qualifying year so tokyo 2020 was the last one paris 2024 is the next one Mm -hmm. um and this this year kind of is part of that qualifying process so should be an exciting year it's gonna be hard but 
Is that we have your sights on as Paris? Uh, you know, ideally, but it's definitely yeah. it's our team is really good this year, and we have a maximum of two people per mm-hmm. country. So mm-hmm. um, there's almost that internal competition between our own team for those wow. two spots. That uh, that'll be really hard, but yeah. uh, it's really exciting. That's cool. And then vet school, it sounds like after that. Yeah, ideally, yeah. I'm I'm getting a master's program. I'm in, I'm in a master's program online right now. That's mm-hmm. um, shelter medicine, so like animal mm-hmm. shelter medicine. Um, and so kind of still pursuing those other career goals, but, uh, at the moment, just climbing. Maybe if we look at the, so the, the audience of this podcast is kind of those with scoliosis are affected by scoliosis, Mm -hmm. things like that. What suggestions, what uh, advice would you give them? I'm sure you have a, a lot of advice that you can give, but what are some things that they should know? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the main one is if possible, I know it's not possible for everybody to, but is to get multiple opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, especially if you're looking at surgery and also just ask about, you know, not fusing as many vertebrae. I think, like I said, that made a really big difference for me. And I don't notice that I still have, you know, a 20 degree mm-hmm. curve other than I still have a rib hump a little bit. So like, if you take a picture of me from the left right. side versus the right side, you can definitely mm-hmm. tell if you are looking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's something to definitely ask about if if you haven't heard of that before. Let's see what else. What other advice? I think with that one, sometimes it's hard for people who are in smaller areas to find multiple surgeons mm-hmm. to get that from. So maybe with telemedicine or something, they can get consultations from because they. I mean, they do look at you in person, but they can also go mm-hmm. off of the X-ray as well. So totally. I think that's that's really good advice for any spinal surgery not just scoliosis mm-hmm. fusion so yeah getting good. multiple opinions um yeah and asking about different options and not going for that 100 percent correction mm-hmm. um because like i said i think i would look more lopsided if we Maybe. had gone for the 100 percent correction also yeah and you'd have less mobility in your lumbar spine and, and that mm-hmm. um what about during the process of for those looking at surgery any words of advice for that um yeah, I think the recovery goes faster than you um, than you expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time in the hospital definitely sucks a little bit, but you know mm-hmm. if you can make the most of it. Um, and I like I said, walk around a lot and walk mm-hmm. a lot during your recovery. I think both of those things help me a lot. And if you're going into surgery, I think having like a strong core is also really helpful. So yes. maybe doing some core workouts and stuff um, before going into surgery because that just helps mm-hmm. you with the sitting up and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's it's really foreign when you can't bend your back to sit up and so it Mm -hmm. takes a lot more core strength um and so i think going in pretty strong from having been a climber already Mm -hmm. that really helped because i was able to like sit up without as much assistance right away yeah and before that climbing was definitely increasing your strength were you doing specific core strengthening um just with our team we were doing you know core workouts like planks and uh, crunches and all that so classic youth team sport core workouts do you do anything different now um well actually those classic core workouts that i was just saying are really challenging when you have a fused back Mm -hmm. um like crunches i can't really i can't crunch really yeah i'm not a a fan yeah or um like a lot of things are just like yeah you can't get the same range of motion that you would if you can bend your back you can't twist so like any sort of russian twists or boats Mm -hmm. or any of those things are really hard so i like doing a lot of hanging core instead of floor Mm -hmm. core um so those are kind of more floor core exercises Mm -hmm. where i like to do um like leg lifts or Mm -hmm. um front lever progressions so they're they're more advanced for sure but Mm -hmm. they're 
um, I think more applicable. And then I like doing like weightlifting also, which is like incidental core. So like mm-hmm. deadlifts with like good form or oh, good yeah. core workout and stuff like that. Fantastic. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I've become more a fan of deadlifts with my post-op and my pre-op patients because it works such good muscles, mm-hmm. but you have to do it correctly Yeah, and you have to make sure that you're protecting your back. But so yeah, weight training, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I really like weight training. I think it, um, helps a lot one with confidence and then mm-hmm. two also with um, strengthening those muscles that you can strengthen because mm-hmm. some things are really hard to do with the fusion yeah that's a very functional movement is there any one that has told you should you be doing deadlifts with a back fusion I mean has anyone ever talked to you about that I was worried about it so I actually yeah. had avoided them for a super long time and then I I just did them really light for a long time mm-hmm. um, and kind of perfected the um, form mm-hmm. and then then I was able to like progress it and yeah. um, get pretty decent at them so that's a fantastic exercise but it has to be done well mm-hmm. or it, or it can be a problem yeah. definitely I'll, I'll just reiterate it because I think it's a great one but the the heating pad at night oh, when yeah. you lay down is honestly such a lifesaver I mm-hmm. have used it essentially since I was 13 since before wow. getting surgery um, mm-hmm. and it helps me just a ton with chronic pain for mm-hmm. sure so um, I recommend that to anybody. (laughs) So if we go back to when you were 13 and started to have back pain, did anything at that time help your back pain? Um, Same thing. Heating pad was a big part of it. Um, And I still get regular massages. Um, So, you know, like there's some knots that I just can't stretch out of my back, no matter how hard I try. And it can't Mm -hmm. roll out on a foam roller or anything like how Mm -hmm. other people will stretch and roll out their back. And so there's just some things that I can't get myself. And a massage therapist usually really Mm -hmm. helps with that massage and a heating pad probably sell a ton of heating pads on your website uh, so should maybe yeah maybe you should Who knows? Um, that's great advice and I think one of the big things that you talked about was maintaining strength mm-hmm. and staying strong I think as with any fusion whether it's scoliosis or or just a general one level fusion keeping that stability is is crucial so I noticed while we're sitting here that you check your posture fairly frequently. <laughs> yeah, I've, I uh, when I'm slouching, I get that same pain in the lower back, right. and so I usually end up having to sit up really straight and, yeah. and stop uh, so slouching that, to get that. Uh, right. Those two vertebrae just below my fusion uh, is where I get the most chronic pain, and so um, yeah. I yeah. end up switching my posture a lot. <laughs> well, and some people will say once you've had a fusion, you have to sit up straight. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true on the area of the fusion, but you can still slouch into the lumbar spine exactly right? yeah. yeah um and yeah it's funny i don't use like backs of chairs if i like sit on a chair yeah i never use the back of a chair anymore that's like a funny <laughs> funny well, fact and i stopped yeah. using a pillow after my surgery like altogether. I, yeah no, i can't no use no them I, I sleep like just oh, flat on a bed so. that's interesting well maybe that's some advice too if we're yeah because after surgery it's actually neck pain and headaches a lot of times that we're treating maybe people should go without pillows yeah maybe uh-huh. yeah so that that's good. So tell us a little bit about you. You ha- you're on social media. You have a website. You tell your story. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, Instagram is definitely my main uh, social media channel. It's at Kyra underscore Condi. So K Y R A uh, underscore C O N D I E. Um, that's like yeah. I, I kind of update things about both my surgery, but not as much, but you know, things that are hard for me with my back and things that are mm-hmm. cool with it. And, um, I actually got tattoos 
uh, down my cool. back, like on the sides of my scar, mm-hmm. um, so that they're kind of cool because when I climb, you can see where it's straight and where it bends. So kind of neat. So like where the fusion is, they don't move. They pretty much don't then... bend, yeah, and That's it's because there's these parallel lines next to the scar. And maybe we'll have to come video you one day. Yeah, I also have a podcast. Actually, it's Circle mm-hmm. Up um, with an exclamation point, and it's on mm-hmm. Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, and yeah, I talk about things that are related to my back and also climbing and kind of everything else in between. So. Where'd the name Circle Up come from? Uh, me and my friend host it together, and we have matching circle tattoos. So it's kind of oh, like a, okay. a sports podcast, so it's like Huddle Up. Um, mm-hmm. But then also mm-hmm. it's like not the circle that we have <laughs> that matches. That's awesome. Yeah. So they can follow you on social media. They can find you on your website and your podcast. And and uh, I, I think you have great you have a great story. <laughs> you have a great inspiring people, I think, to, to reach for their what they really want to do, even though... People may have told them not to do that. So, if you want to actually just see a video about it uh, on my website, there's a whole videos tab, and I have a lot of them compiled there. So, that's really cool. So, one question What brought you to Utah? Uh, climbing, <laughs> shockingly. Climbing brought yeah. You to Utah. Yeah, USA Climbing moved here, and so we uh, have a training center and everything. Okay. And so, I moved from Minnesota to Utah in 2019, just before mm-hmm. qualifying for the Olympics. How do you like Utah? I love it. I love you Utah, yeah. yeah. We got some good climbing here. Yeah, it's right? super good. Do you do outdoor and indoor, or do you focus mostly on indoor? I'm mostly focused on indoor, but yeah. the outdoor aspect was a big uh, draw to Utah for yeah. sure. Well, cool. Thank you for being on our podcast. I think you share some great things, and I'm excited to have our, our patients and our listeners hear about you. Yeah, thanks for having me.